So, you've already heard a little bit this morning. So, so just to bring the visitors up to speed, uh, I'm Kevin. Hello. Some of you have met. Some of I failed to meet yet, but that's okay. Um, to get everybody up to speed, last last week, uh, Brother Jesse, wave to the visitors. Yes, that's Brother Jesse right there. So you've heard it mentioned already. Brother Jesse shared some statistics last week. And in light of those statistics, uh, Brother Brian shared some stuff this morning. And weirdly enough, weirdly enough, we're, we're going to visit some more of that this morning. And that is so God, because we didn't talk. You were driving like a mad person or riding, given whatever, in both, maybe. But in light of the statistics that, that Jesse shared last week, I will share them again. So the statistics came from a Barna poll. And these are the statistics, just in brief. 6% of U.S. evangelical church members, that's confessing church members, 6% have a biblical worldview. One in five, which 20% of regular attenders, so regular church attenders, 20% have a biblical worldview. 41% of senior or lead pastors, 41% have a biblical worldview. 28% of associate pastors have a biblical worldview. 13% of teaching pastors have a biblical worldview, which makes you, even with the name teaching pastor, like, I just, the, how does that, that's like, then that, that teaching pastor becomes sort of an oxymoron if you're not using the Bible, which some might say you're both an ox and a moron, but I'm not going to do that because that would be mean. And I'm not going to be mean. 12% of youth pastors and 4% of executive pastors have a, wor a biblical worldview. And when you think about those statistics as out there someplace, that's just, well, that's terrible. Or you could go, oh, I could just see that's just the world, you know, that just totally makes sense that they would do those kind of things and they are out there doing this kind of stuff. But Carrie and I have had a lot of conversations over the past several days that there are faces and names that we know that are associated with those statistics. Some of them on the leadership side, but a, a whole lot of them on the receiving end of that. And, uh, and I know, Randy, you've shared this before. We've talked about it. Alistair Begg talking about when the pastor gets invited into a scenario, the eggs are already all over the floor. And it's, and it's just you're there for cleanup after all this stuff has fallen apart. And uh, I've had an opportunity. Sorry. Go ahead. Thought I'd keep that in check. <laughs> had an opportunity this week to uh, minister to a brother that's going through a really tough time in a relationship and uh, the eggs are on the floor. And uh, some things have fallen apart. And one of the chief reasons is because so much 
of the teaching and so much of the worldview and so much of what is Bible preaching in his life has left him in this space where things didn't fit and they weren't he wasn't plugging into you know all of the the resources now I thank God that he knows it and there's a sense of dealing with this brother that he knows the mistakes and he, and he understands and he's grieved over where he let things get to because he knew he knew better but in the moments and in the influences and in the loud and the everything else of the church world and being in some ways deeply involved in it a lot of these a lot of the things you know get shoved around and when you say i won't forget i won't lose sight of the love that caused you to die and what it took and all those things and 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 we we pray that prayer lord i don't help me not to forget what's important help me not forget what this is all based on so with that i want to want us to go to second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 and I want to read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. But understand this. And this is this is Paul talking to a young preacher. But understand this that, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray this morning, as we come to this spot in our time together of digging into your word and its truth. Lord, may our hearts delight in what you say. May we hold tight to your word. Maintain a profession of faith based on your word and have our feet firmly planted on the solid rock of what your word calls the solid rock. May we be intentional in our study and in our thinking. May we reason from Scripture as we walk these things out, this life out. May you be glorified and may we not lose sight of what we're here for and why we do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. In the very first, Paul is talking to young Timothy, and he says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. 
And, uh, I mean, maybe you're like me, and, and, and when somebody says the last days, we go out, we go out there somewhere. Well, the, in the last days, right? It's over here somewhere, like down the timeline. Or we could look at the circumstances around us and see the crazy of the world in this present darkness, in this moment in time, and say, oh, well, it's obvious we're in the last days because look at all these things. But I just kind of want to make you understand that Paul wasn't talking to Timothy with 2,000 years from then in mind. The last days did not start a few weeks back, a few years back. World War II, World War I, the Great Plague, you know, the Black Death and all that. But at every place they believed it was because crazy stuff was going on like they'd never seen in their lifetime before. No, Paul was talking to Timothy knowing that the last days started when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. And like, this is the last days. And they go on from this point till Jesus comes back and says, everything is under my feet completely. All of it. So, in light of that, know that what we see in Scripture isn't just pointing to our day, but it's pointing to all time from that time on. And we will see seasons of increase. It, it yet could happen that the United States situation turns around and great days of joy and prosperity and whatever come because there's a revival and awakening of people to the gospel and truth and and life comes and and people are saved and it changes it's still the last days and we're still called to preach the gospel in the middle of that so so terrible or terrific You'll see in what Paul says, be faithful no matter what. And I know that there is are some things that have caused people through time, especially recent time, past pile of decades, to think about the end of the world and start cashing in their chips Time to hunker in a bunker someplace and hide because look at how terrible it is. Well, maybe here in the United States the church isn't growing or you see in these statistics that we're talking about and kind of a just a sort of apostate kind of thing going on. Just because the United States, the noisiest location, the most, you know, city on a hill... I don't know what we're... Uh, the city's not that bright in a lot of ways. But in other parts of the world, they are experiencing a true revival. And and one of the places, of all places, is China. I tried to not go China and do it like that. I did. I tried, but then I just did that. Sorry. But one of the places in China, and you would think in China, how how in the world in China that is a that is the most godless place in the world? It's like, is there anything impossible with God? No. And the gospel has penetrated that really dark place, and the church is growing in the face of we don't understand persecution to that level. And I thank God that we don't, and I'm not inviting that. And I'm not saying that's what we need, some good old-fashioned persecution that'll grow the church. God forbid that it has to be that way for us to do that. But just because we see it around us 
does not mean that God is not working. And just because we don't see it here does not mean that God is not going to do something in this world that we live in and with the people that we know, with the faces that go with the statistics. Theology has consequences. Theology has consequences. What we believe about God and what we believe about His Word matters. Not just for the mental sense of the, and the mental exercise and the logic, because it has plenty of that. But in how it works out in our lives. It's, I want to lay just a, a couple of thoughts back and forth a few times here. It's knowing and doing. It's orthodoxy and orthopraxy, which simply is right belief and right practice. Brian, I'm so thankful that we, there. If you could have seen the the exchange between Carrie and I while you were doing this, it's like this is not, this is God doing these things, setting the stage, not for what I'm going to say or what you said or what Jesse said, but what He is wanting us to take away from here in this moment. This this crowd that's been kind of conditioned with these thoughts and will stay that way. It's, wow, how do I how do I do this? This is so there's so much and I want to like not take off someplace. I know from what I've seen and heard of what is here is a great amount of biblical knowledge that's being added to daily or or I would say weekly let's just go from from like this point you know from this from this platform from this space and it's not to not and I don't want it, I don't want it to sound like oh I'm bragging on what a, what a great we are the most awesome thing since sliced bread no no no, it's just that God has been doing things to faithfully get His Word proclaimed in this space and studied and, and just to get us to dive into it, to hold fast to the fact that this is life-giving truth. And, and I sense there's a concentration of, of God doing something here in this space. And the knowledge is awesome to have that so much stuff in our heads. I know that I could probably go around this room and we could just talk and and interject just different verses or pieces of them or wording that kind of and everybody would know. Everybody would know where that came from and might tie other thoughts together and and be able to really explain what you believe and why. You believe it. But I know also in that is a responsibility. I, I feel that. I feel that deeply for myself. So I'm going to speak not to you, but from what God has done in my heart and challenged me to there's so much that He's given me to understand. And I haven't arrived. Like, I have not arrived. I've not hit the pinnacle. There's so much more I want to understand. There's so much depth, more depth I want to get. I want to be able to have just so much more ready to, to answer. But not just a sling. You know, this is not ammo 
This is not, I'm looking for bullets to toss, you know. Oh, I get in a debate. I'm ready, you know. Shoot. (laughs) Because my brother did not need ammo shot at him. He needed assurance from the word, this is the path to take through this rough scenario. Yes, there were a lot of things that happened that were just wrong that got you to this place. But here is a path, and it's right out of this word. It's right out of just, yeah, I know. I know it's hard to walk back through these things. I know it's difficult to to see what needs to be done and know I should be someplace else than where I am right now. But there is a path to walk in and walk it out right here. And I know that I've been armed with this word. Just like I know that many in this room have been armed with this word. So now is the time. Now is the time for us to engage this world that are faced with these statistics. Now is the time for us to be a part of stepping into that fray to engage the world and to engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Armed fully with all that the Word has that we so richly, we we bathe in it, y'all. We do, we bathe in it. We're like dipped in it. It's amazing to have that. It's more amazing when you haven't had it and you come back to it again. And how refreshing that is. And I'm speaking from experience. But being refreshed charges my heart to go back into the world where it's not so. And it's not so available and people are flailing around feet firmly planted in midair. I think I've used that phrase several times. And it comes from a, a book title that I did not write. Um, but I know in, in this knowing, in this last days, seeing these things in this period of the last days, seeing the lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And knowing that those things have crept into what we call the church. And it's not our church. Okay? It's not our church. It's Christ's church. And that is what my heart breaks over. When I, when I see that there is a lack of the word. When I hear the statistics, it breaks my heart because I know the places and I see the faces and their friends, their loved ones, their people I that we've grown to care about a lot and know that they're just left to some suggest some subjective interpretation of what this word says they will quote the bible they believe it to be true but if you dig into where they get their understanding it's kind of a hodgepodge mixture of mysticism and new agey crazy stuff and jesus too 
It's like Jesus and something, 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 something. And I know to any of us that have been like really just bathed in the Word, we would look out and just see the contradiction and go, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, what? What? Are, where am I at? This is the wild, wild west. Anything goes. There's no law. There's no rules. There's no... It's just kind of whatever. And my heart breaks because I want people to know the truth. This truth that isn't just Be careful to say this well. If we never had the Bible, okay, like like we just pretend that we're a community that has never had the Bible introduced to them, that never had it, it's it wasn't in front of us. We don't have a translation in our language. We don't even have anybody bringing it. Is the truth still true in that situation? Yes. Yeah. God is God regardless if you have a Bible in front of you or not. And we know because the Scripture that we've been blessed with tells us that every man is without excuse because all of creation speaks of God. All of creation is His story proclaiming Him. You have to do some work to deny Him. But if we didn't have this in front of us, God is still God. Christ still went to the cross and died for sins. Our sin would still send us to eternity apart from Him. Now, coming back out of that darkness into, but we do have the Word of God. And we do have a ready Word. Just like you were sharing all these verses, we have the words of life. We have God's Word. We have it completely. We have it fully. We have it in context, cover to cover with notes and maps. We got everything here. Matter of fact, how many of y'all have more than two Bibles at home? Ten. Thirty? Uh, any, any more hands? More than 30 Bibles in your house? About more than 40? Uh, how many of you have read all 40 of those through all the way. Okay. We have very much. And of whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. And I know that uh, very recent circumstances still kind of churning in my heart because it was just so close and so hard to see. I know that God is calling us to know and to do. He is calling us here who have been given very much to do. Not just to observe the world as it were going to hell in a hand car, but to be out on the rails, pitching some gravel underneath those wheels, saying, let's, let's slow this dude down for you and you and you. And the you is whoever we run into that we have opportunity to do that with. I want to read this, and it's not, I, I didn't have it put on the scripture. 
in following all of these things, Paul talking to Timothy. You, however, to Timothy, verses 10, 10 and on, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through uh, 4, probably 5. Yeah, 5. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. And I want you to know, Paul wasn't bragging about that and saying, look at me. He was talking about, look at what God has brought me through. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, now you're going to hear the, the thoughts swinging, just like, just like these words did in my head. I'm going to share with you just like, it, just like I got it. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And I know that Paul was giving that charge to a young preacher. He was saying it to a young preacher. And so I know in that context, not being young anymore, but still being a preacher, I feel those words. Because I know that God has given me so much. So much that that I didn't even earn or deserve, and sometimes didn't really even work for. He just he just gave understanding to things. He gave insights. He gave experiences that I couldn't, I wouldn't have gone after myself. And I know that this isn't just well. This isn't time to go through Kevin's diary and talk about my experiences and exploits and whatever. No, this is a time to talk about. It. And such were some of you. And such are some of you that have a story that's got God just wrapped all up in it where He's given and given to you insight, understanding in His Word, the the depths of the truth that flows from front to back. Context that keeps the Word straight in a very crooked world. Context that just keeps drawing us back to the truth of God, no matter what anybody else does around us or anybody else says around us. We have that. Many have that. And it is out of that that this charge is coming from me using what Paul was saying to a young preacher. Be steadfast. Preach it. Know it. 
Live it. Live it. We have been thoroughly furnished to do good works. We have been thoroughly furnished to display our faith. I, the, the, the God moments. You know, Shane and I were talking a little bit just about, just kind of, just talking about all over the place, just things this morning. And it was just conversation. And he was talking about an instance where, you know, somebody, somebody was, uh, I'll just try to keep this generic as possible. <laughs> you know, wear, wearing the, the, uh, branding of a certain group of people, right? Wearing the branding, got the name on the shirt and everything, but not like behaving. And I don't mean moral in you know, misbehavior. I mean, just, you know, well, the guy wasn't driving really smart, right? That's safe enough to say without saying he was living a corrupt life. No, he had too much foot in the gas. That's what he had too much foot in the gas, you know? And the idea that this guy's doing this, you know, was like, hey, um, can you not with th this, like with our logo emblazoned on your chest, can you not do, do that stuff? Because you're just giving us, you're making us all look bad, you know? And, and then it just kind of like, we talked about it a little bit. And it's like, you know, yeah, I, I see that. Because we come in with the logo, right? Toting the Bible or, you know, we put the fishes on stuff, you know. I've seen that in businesses. They put the fish on the sign, but it's like, it smells like dead fish when you get to their attitude. You know, it's like, okay, that is not the kind of ichthus that I'm thinking is going to work for life or people or the gospel's sake. It's like, we are called to wear the brand but but we didn't buy the shirt somebody else paid for it somebody else paid for that logo with their own blood and the imputed righteousness of 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 God has that sense of mind to it it's like he's put clothes on us that we didn't pay for and he paid for them not with just cash but with the blood of His Son. Now we have an opportunity and we get to wear this out in public. And the charge to us is to display our faith. So, thoroughly furnished, here is the Word. And displaying our faith is now we're going to go into the world and make disciples of Christ. And we wear a logo. And I think to myself, I really want to represent this brand very well. I don't want to give opportunity. I'm not, trust me, I'm not worried about are so much insightful of, I don't want to give opportunity to the devil because they just don't want to do that anytime anyway. There's not a question of certain times I don't want to do that. No, it's all the time. But I don't want to give opportunity for someone to look past the gospel because I'm a jerk. I, I don't want to give opportunity for somebody to look past the gospel because I've treated them or talked to them or acted in any way unbecoming of the faith that I have been given. To display it. I know James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, and that's and I will have that up there, I think. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? 
Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. And James says, Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, works, we understand that works works didn't pay my works did not pay for the emblem of Christ that I wear. His did. His his works did. My works, your works, will not pay the price. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but you're not good enough. There'll always be just another thing that'll come up and say, you're not good enough. It, it just will. I'm sorry. But at the same time, I'm not sorry because we would have bragging rights, right? And we were saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves. It was the gift of God that no one would boast, right? Ephesians 2, remember that, right? That we would not boast. So it's not works that gets us there. It's faith. But faith produces works. I believe in Christ and the cross. I believe in the power of the resurrection. I believe and hold fast to the straightforward doctrines of faith that are just right out of the heart of Scripture. I believe those things. They are in my head. They are in my heart. But I want to show that those things are alive in me, not just ideas. I want to show the world that the gospel is real. Life in Christ is real. Our hope is real. I want to show it by my actions. We are called to show it by our actions. We are thoroughly furnished to display our faith. And back to 2 Timothy, the, uh, the prequel to the Scriptures that I was sharing about Paul's charge. 2 Timothy 2, 15-26. If we would think that Paul is not talking to Timothy about the works that flow out of faith. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. Theology matters. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And let the Lord's and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now that last part is what really drove this home to me and really pressed this into my heart. That if we will clean this vessel up, we know the words, the pure word of God has been given and we've received and taken it in and it has rich depth to us. Clean it up. Make it bright and shiny. But not to hold more stuff for us, but to reveal the glory of God to people. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Take this in. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So when I see and hear the statistics, when I hear and know that these aren't just numbers from some page, that, from, from some city somewhere, where, of course, in the city that's that way. No, this is in our neighborhood. This is around us. This is here. You know, where, you, know you, you can't swing a stick without hitting a church in most of the communities around here. It's true, right? How many churches? I, I know how many churches are, are over in Madison County. There are over 80. There are over 80 churches in a population that's five, six thousand, something like that. And if every church was filled every Sunday, there'd still be room for more people to come in, but the whole county would be in church hearing the gospel somehow or other. Well, why aren't they? Well, we can figure a whole lot of things out and do some demographic studies and come up with a few things to come up with how and why and how we reach them and how this happens and how da, 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 and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, I kind of have to go with this. It's not that we're not entertaining enough. It's not that we don't have enough. I mean, we could look, let's just be honest. It'd be stupid. But if you put on the sign out front next Sunday, free beer and hot dogs. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock or 11 or whatever, you could probably fill this place up. And I don't know that that'd be the best opportunity to really reveal the gospel of Christ to people, especially about a half hour into the whole mess. And I mean mess. So we could do some stuff to get people to come through the doors and cheer for attendance. But what we really need to be in this world around us, in the church that is taking in so many things but the Bible, is salt and light revealing with humility, because you didn't get it all, because you're so good. I didn't get it all, because I'm so good. It was, the word is imputed, like, kind of like, dropped on you, yo, did not deserve this. That righteousness was not because I'm such a good guy. 
I've been around this brain several laps. And if you took Jesus out of there, it's rotten. And and the more I want Jesus, Jesus, find the cracks and find the dark spots. Get that junk out of there, please. You know, even some of the recent acquiring of things that I'm like, oh, okay, brain cells, right? I want that one back. Can we redeem those things and bring them back? Well, why? Well, yeah, I want to live peaceably before God. But I also want to display His glory. I, I want people to look at me and glorify God and not me because I know I don't deserve it. I am sure of it. It wouldn't take long if we have conversations at any depth. It wouldn't take long to know I don't deserve it. The salvation that I have is not something that my good works earned. Like, are we not, like, we've been in Romans for a while now, right? Man, if we hadn't figured that out by now, that we don't deserve this, this goodness and grace, I don't know if we ever will. But this gift of God was meant to give and give and give for His glory. A life well lived is the greatest display of the power of gospel to produce works of righteousness outlined in the word of God for his glory. We say it again. A life well lived is the greatest display of the power of the gospel to produce works of righteousness outlined in the Word of God for His glory. And when He is elevated above me and we, it is His light that draws all nations in, not ours. The best we've got is gimmicks. Well, kind of the worst of the best we've got is gimmicks. But at the end of it all, when it's all said and done, we are the moon. We are the moon. We are the cold rock in space that reflects the light of the sun onto the earth. And I know we could play with that illustration and get lost somewhere, but I don't. I, I want to stay with that in mind. We are the moon, designed to reflect the light of the sun onto the earth. Where does the moon shine? It don't shine in the day, does it? Because in the day, where you and I live, in the day the sun shines full on us. Am I right in you know playing that illustration out a little bit? You can see the moon up there, but the light of the sun is so bright, it's like, okay, that's cool, look at that. But at night, and we've had the full moon a couple nights, right? Y'all have seen that, hopefully. Unless there's a bunch of artificial light clutter. That another illustration would not do that. Step over here. The moon reflects the light of the sun on the dark side of the earth that it might give light. And that light will expose things. Like last night and night before, I don't know if y'all saw it, but it was like being outside almost in daylight because the sky was really clear and the and the garbage was out of the air for the most part. So it was like really bright, at least where I was. And it's like, wow, I can see everything. Everything that would normally be in the dark is exposed. That's what we're called to be. And do you know that's why the world will hate us? Because they hated Christ. Why did they hate Christ? Why did the Pharisees and the Sadducees should have Love Jesus, should have loved the Messiah. Why did they hate him? Because he exposed the darkness in them. He exposed the lies. 
that they believe. We will be hated, not because we're so great, but because the light of Christ in us will expose their works of darkness and they'll not be comfortable with it and we'll be the ones that did it. But we also know that it was Christ that did it, not us. I want to be a very bright, very full moon in this world. And our call is to be a very full and a very bright moon in this world. Because just like it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by Him to do His will. And that's what motivates and stirs my heart to just bring all this stuff together and say these things. That's the, that's the thought processes. That's the, the Spirit of God just kind of saying, and what about you to me? What about you? What are you doing? Are you just standing off in the corner someplace going, well, look at that. That's just terrible. Well, I knew we were coming to this. It's the end of the world after all. And I think of scriptures that just kind of blink up in my head to say, so much the more as you see the day approaching. But what's so much the more as you see the day approaching? Live a life of faith in Christ. Exemplify the word of God to people. Live your faith. The faith that was given to you by Christ. Live the gift with the hope that perhaps God would grant them repentance. And the them has faces. And I, I, I don't know because I didn't talk to Timothy and I didn't see him write anything. But I bet when Paul said them, Timothy knew who them was. It was, ah, I saved that for later. May it be that the statistics move us. May it be that what we see and know in these last days that have been going on for a very, very long time, time out of mind for us. But may it be that the last days doesn't scare us into a hole someplace. But may it be that the sense of the last days ignites our passion for seeing as many that God would grant repentance come to Him. And many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who I really believe are believers that have been just soaked in and taken in by stuff that is just not the gospel, knocked up off their spiritual feet, and they're just floating in a world of subjective whatevers, may come to their senses and leave that and return to the Word that they would have life fuller and more abundant, like Jesus said. That they experience what Jesus said would be ours when He brings His truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. May it be that this is more than just words. May, that it, may this be that it's more than just words for me. May, may that this be that it's more than just a statement, more than just a sermon, more than just notes on a page, but it's but it's life and it changes things. And may it be that you use this to, to spur and, and spark a fire that changes a lot of people's lives, that makes a difference, that really does make a difference and does make a change that you make as a part of what you desire to do to bring your kids, your kids that you know by name, to faith and to joy, and to life, 
fuller and more abundant in Christ. For your glory. For your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.